Hello all, I would like to welcome everyone to the first episode of the Snowfish Podcast. For those who do not know us, Snowfish provides consulting services to life science and medical device companies. Our specialties include market landscape and KOL mapping, which brings us to the topic of today's episode, the APP landscape. APPs are nurse practitioners and physician's assistants who can prescribe and see their own patients, but are not medical doctors. Nevertheless, they are crucial for pharmaceutical companies to connect with. To learn more, we sat down with Tom Ulliam and Kristen Holstead of RNSites. RNSites delivers APP expertise to clients and has a firm understanding of the APP market. They recently released a detailed report about APPs. Let's listen now to that conversation. most pleasure today uh, speaking with Tom and Kristen from RN Site. Um, they connect uh, pharma and medical device professionals with nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and, and uh, registered nurses. We at Snowfish are particularly interested in RN Sites given our work with industry partners in helping them build stakeholder networks and really help them optimize that. And we personally have also long realized that advanced practice nurses or, as, or APPs are critical entities um, within the ecosystems of various diseases. And really, you know, I was really intrigued to, uh, to learn about uh, your unique company uh, whose sole focus is on these critical healthcare providers. In a few sentences, um, can you please describe our insights? Our insights is an agency for advanced practice provider market with deep insights into drivers of NPPA prescribing and purchasing behavior. We develop APP marketing strategy and programs that change behavior and increase brand loyalty. And we also reach nurses and hospital administrators. As Krista mentioned, our our primary focus is on the advanced practice providers, so the NPs and the PAs. But uh, through that, uh, it was just a natural offshoot to focus on nurses, I'm sorry, hospital administrators as well. Why did you get into this business? When, so my partner and I had run a business together before and we were looking to do something, uh, uh, something new and, uh, and Kristen actually was with us in the prior business as well. And uh, we really saw an enormous void in the healthcare industry. There was there were a number of companies that were focused at the MD level but there really weren't companies focused at the NP and PL, PA level. And it was when we were doing our research, it was really at the time of Obamacare. And given the changes that were occurring, we really saw their roles growing in importance and uh, necessity and um, just the number of NPs and PAs, PAs that we expected to be out there. So it was really, in some ways, it was a bet on where we thought the healthcare industry was going, but we also saw it as a huge need that, uh, that we really, someone needed to take the lead to really make them. The- Excellent. So, uh, so again, next question, why, why would industry care about APPs? Three out of five NPs and PAs see their own distinct set of patients, so whom physicians don't typically see. So that's a, a big market that if you're missing APPs, then you're really not reaching a huge amount of the patients. Um, and NPs, PAs write 30 plus percent U.S. prescriptions. Um, they're growing, they make or influence decisions, and they're open to learning. So they, um, they also separate, they're also a separate group um, from NB, NB, MDs or nurses. So um, a lot of times they're kind of lumped in with MDs or nurses, but they're really they're their own distinct 
group. So they kind of deserve their own marketing strategy devoted to them. That's great. That's great. And to learn more, head over to rinsights.com. Yeah, I'm really curious. What is the most common misperception about APPs that you're hearing amongst the industry professionals that you engage with? Um, I think I think some people assume they're not as important as physicians or they're not large numbers of APPs and specialty fields. So they're sort of not aware of the APPs, how important they can be. Um, and like I said, they're lumped in with uh, a message that's really meant for MDs, but they're not treated separately. Um, and we think that messaging should be tailored to the APPs. The next part of our discussion focused on our insights recent report that outlined key facts in the APP landscape. In your opinion, what were the most surprising findings from this report? For people who aren't as familiar with APPs, they might be surprised by the massive growth. Um, it's pretty shocking really how the growth in APPs has just skyrocketed and it's not just primary care fields. The NPs and PAs and specialty practices have increased 22% in eight years, and there's no signs of slowing of the growth in the APP field. So um, by 2030, uh, NPs and PAs could make up as much as 45% of providers, which is huge. That's a massive shift in healthcare provider types. Um, so I think a lot of people would be pretty surprised by just that trend. So in your report, you include data which notes how APPs tend to prescribe certain drugs more frequently than even MDs. Can you expand on this uh, on this data? Some people still don't realize APPs are providers that can prescribe and treat patients just like physicians. Um, so overall, studies find that there are similar prescribing rates between APPs and MDs. Um, but in certain circumstances, we found some studies that focus on smaller select drugs or certain populations, and in, in those cases, APPs may even prescribe more frequently. There's a few examples. NPs and PAs reported significantly greater clinical experience and com comfort with monoclonal antibody disease-modifying therapies. Mm -hmm. um, compared to surveyed neurologists. Um, and the reason it was speculated that NPs and PAs tend to manage clinically complex relapsing MS patients who would be good candidates for that drug. So that was sort of a very specific example. And there was another one in a mid-Atlantic state that found there was an increase in the proportion of psychotropic medications prescribed by NPs. And over this two-year period, there was also a decrease in those prescribed by physicians. So those are just two examples of you know, specific cases. Um, for this reason, we actually usually suggest to a lot of clients, if they're not very familiar with APPs and how they perceive their brand, to do some market research, which, which we can help them with to really determine APP brand preferences and kind of those details of what's going on in the market versus MDs. So is it is something that you that you find is surprising to your clients? Are, were they aware of this? I think a lot of them are surprised. They're, not a lot of clients are really intimately familiar with the APP market and sort of how they perceive their brand. They, 
like they're more familiar with the physicians and sort of have grouped them together. Um, so I think it's, uh, it is usually surprising to kind of get those details. Overall too, it, it, it's, it's surprising for our clients just to understand the role and, and the role that the APPs play and the amount of prescribing that they do. And so, you know, I think one of the reasons we've been able to be successful is that they, you know, we, we can help them understand just if they don't have an APP strategy, they're missing out on a big percentage mm -hmm. of the prescribers and a growing percentage of the prescribers. So uh, that's probably the, the biggest message that they can take away. I would just like to reiterate here that Tom is absolutely right. When companies neglect APPs, they neglect 30% of US prescriptions. And this was, this, we found this very interesting. Um, you refer to, um, in your report, the issue of incident two billing, which is when um, APP billing is attributed to their collaborating physician. Um, interestingly enough, you know, we, a number of years ago, because as, as you said, we are also very interested and that's what really uh, drove us to, you know, to, we want to learn more about our insights. Um, a number of years ago, Snowfish actually surveyed over 400 uh, APPs and found something similar. We did. To request the white paper Melissa's mentioning, head on over to snowfish.net. However, this was, uh, this was in relation to prescriptions. Um, often an APP was prescribing under a physician's Rx number. And as you indicate in your report, this is an underestimation of the true role of the APP because, you know, and, and again, I understand that, um, you know, the, uh, the common pushback by those in the industry are saying, well, the data doesn't show me that. We're saying, you know, you're telling me that um, APPs prescribe a lot, but the numbers aren't really telling me that. Um, do you st still think that this is a problem? We do see this as a continued problem. Um, pharma and med device companies are trying to track and, and differentiate, but because it's just all attributed to a team that's oftentimes under an MD, it really is hard to differentiate exactly who is making the decision, doing the prescribing, um, especially for PAs, they're still required to have that collaborating physician who may not be making the decision, but who technically supervises and signs off. So that really does make it tricky to properly attribute the care that APPs are providing on the team. So any thoughts about what might be done about this? Could there be other ways that, um, you know, that these, that these big data um, companies can collect this information beyond just looking at uh, pres you know, prescribing and, and what number they're prescribed under. There is becoming increasing awareness of the roles of APPs, um, so it will get better, um, but it's a, it's a gradual change. And I think um, the NP and PA associations do a good job at, at tracking the trends. They have national sample surveys to gather that sort of data on incident billing to and how you know how often they prescribe and so that's where they can compare to MDs and do that um, bit of research into those uh, those trends. In the next segment we discuss the role of influence in the APP landscape. Our insights report highlighted that 53% of APPs influence the physicians in their practice regarding patient care. I'd like to delve a little bit more into the definition of influence and what this all means. It also mentioned nine out of 10 NPs and PAs often make an independent decision, but oftentimes we say influence because it's, it's part of a team-based care decision. So if APPs have, um, you know, 
a part in the team. They're often impacting decision-making for treatment plans. Again, a team-based care is, has been effective. So it's more of a, you know, maybe you can't attribute all the decision to one or the other, but it's um, a joint discussion where the APPs and the MDs are coming together. And I think oftentimes the APPs knowledge is a respected part of that team. So we, you know, we say they have a lot of influence as well. So what about industry engagement? Find out more in our next segment. Um, I'd like to shift, uh, shift a little bit and talk about um, industry engagement of APPs, because that's, you know, really, it's what the, it sounds like what your company is really all about, you know, really understanding how, helping industry to understand how to better engage these, uh, these practitioners or providers. Um, so what are the thoughts on identifying um, a nurse practitioner or physician assistant key opinion leaders? as often done for physicians? So identifying APP key opinion leaders is extremely important. Um, like physicians, busy NPs and PAs welcome value peer recommendations and information um, passed through trusted sources. So KOLs help cut through the clutter and encourage NPs and PAs to view materials delivered from respected experts within their community. Um, so Rather than directing NPs, to, NPs and PAs to content developed for physicians, we think life science companies should consider adding content created by and for APPs. Um, KOL webinars were identified as the best ROI generator by more than 100 global pharma and life science companies, um, according to a report. So we know KOLs are very important and we know that APPs have their own associations, social media groups and publications. Um, so we know APPs have their own key opinion leaders within their communities and that's important to identify them. Are you uh, generally asked by, um, by, by your clients to help them uh, engage with these uh, key opinion leaders? Do they recognize this as well? I think they do, we're often asked you know, especially if we're doing a webinar, you know, can you find a speaker that will really um, be an important um, expert that will speak to that community and be respected by other APPs? So, yeah, I think they are generally um, recognized. I think that's an important thing. The messaging is just so important. The, the, the role of the NP and PA is just different from the, the role of the MD in terms of how they approach patients and um, and they're much more on the patient-centric journey. So if you get a MD key opinion, opinion leader, very often the presentation is going to come at it from that MD's perspective and what yeah. he or she would think would play best with other MDs rather than working mm -hmm. with an NP and PA who really will understand the role of the NP and PA and mm -hmm. how to create a presentation that's going to resonate most effectively on behalf of industry with that audience. Okay, so that and, and that's a really good uh, good point you're making. So how would that differ? So what would be an example of how a you know content for um, the APP um, audience might be different than uh, for physicians, even from the clinical perspective, even from the science, because they want to know the science too. Would that right. differ as well? So uh, we just did a project. I'm <clears throat> sorry, we just did a project for a client who had uh, successfully run a campaign for MDs. And they wanted to put a similar webinar together for nurse practitioners and physician assistants. And the, uh, the webinar 
which you can see why it was so effective for MDs, was filled with charts and really statistics and all the clinical data, but it really didn't speak to the patient journey and really didn't speak to uh, how these things actually impact the patient on a day-to-day -day basis. And it was really a, a webinar filled with statistics. As you mentioned, the NPs and PAs are going to want to understand those statistics, but they, they have a much, uh, you know, they've got a much broader view of wanting to understand, of, you know, how is this going to affect the patient? Um, how, you know, what can they expect along the way? And um, what are the different options? And so we took that presentation and with uh, Kristen taking the lead and really revised it to make it much more effective at the NP and PA level. And it was a completely different presentation by the time we were done and resonated extremely well, but it still provides all the statistical information that is important for them to have, but it also speaks much more closely to their day-to-day -day role. Fantastic. Um, and given that, do you ever see it go the other way? Do you ever see your clients saying, well, you know, I'm seeing this content and so patient-centric. I think our physician audiences need to hear that. Or do they ever say, hey, let's take this and because you know, physicians actually need to hear that side as well? The statistics and the charts. So I, I really, it's a great question. I really haven't seen that yet. It's, you know, it's much more there, becoming much more knowledgeable about the NPPA market mm -hmm. and understanding the differences rather than trying to take that back um, to see how that would play with the MDs. Um, so besides what you, um, you know, the example that you gave before, you know, actually the, the idea of potentially um, showing information which may not resonate with the APP community, uh, what are the other mistakes that you've seen that companies have made when trying to um, engage this, uh, this group, these groups? APPs really are often lumped in with physicians or with nurses as well. Sometimes people think that they're really just in a nursing role when they do much more than, um, you know, the typical bedside nurse in terms of really treatment decisions. Um, so NPs and PAs really need their own separate marketing strategy that addresses their community's needs. Um, and the other big mistake I think is referring to APPs with outdated terms that APPs can find offensive. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them examples include mid-level or physician extenders or non-physicians. These are kind of terms that APPs aren't really too thrilled about being called um, since they're not really defining what they do. They don't think of their care as mid-level care. They think of it as you know high-level care. Um, so I think that big mistake is to make APPs feel overlooked or misunderstood when companies really could be building long-lasting relationships with APPs by showing that support and respect that they deserve. Fantastic. So, um, so given that, are there any particular profiles of any companies or therapies where there's already a high recognition of the role and value of APPs? Because so, as you mentioned before, Kristen, um, and it's, it's quite shocking that even in this day and age, somebody would think that an APP or, you know, nurse practitioner um, has the same role as a bedside nurse. So uh, do you see any difference in, you know, some people that are kind of already caught on. Those companies that reach out to us um, obviously kind of understand that there's importance to APPs um, and treating them as their own segment. Um, I think you're seeing more brands with a web page or webinar 
webinar geared specifically toward ABPs than we used to see. Um, but there's a lot of room for improvement by most brands. Um, and even though ABPs are growing rapidly in the specialty fields in recent years, sometimes the brands with primary care or pediatrics as the targets have a little better recognition since those APP groups are very large in, in the primary care, but they are growing in specialty fields. So we're just seeing a little bit slower recognition of them in, in those areas. Are there, are there any specialties um, that you're seeing um, that have, uh, you know, I guess you're seeing quicker adoption versus others? You're seeing something more in dermatology or cardiology, uh, um, oncology? You know where nurses are already playing a very large role? I think dermatology and oncology are definitely um, one of the top, those two are top specialty areas where people are seeing a huge growth in the ABPs and, and recognizing them. Um, and then some of the smaller specialties are, are seeing the same growth, but they're not being recognized as much yet. So there's definitely differences in each specialty. Okay, because you mentioned uh, before um, uh, the you know, monoclonal antibodies in uh, the treatment of uh, MS uh, is or is neurology. You know, are you seeing um, companies that uh, you know that um, market those types of therapies? Are they quite caught on yet? Uh, are they aware of this, or do they need a little extra extra push? Um, I think there is definitely room for improvement. There, we're getting there, but it's a slow gradual, um, I think, recognitions. Sure, sure. And uh, Kristen, you had mentioned societies before, you know, that the, um, when we were talking about key opinion leaders, that um, the, the PAs have their own societies and PAs have societies. Um, um, you know, how do professional societies play a role, um, either, either with respect to APPs or even other societies um, that are more specific to the disease state themselves or the specialty? How do they play a role in awareness and uh, influencing opinion? Um, so I think the APP groups and societies play a really big role. Um, just for example, the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, they conduct national multi-million dollar awareness campaigns and they're working to secure full practice authority in every state. Um, so they've made huge gains. Um, they're a very important group on the public and legislative side. Um, just like with physicians, APPs need societies to act as a voice to represent them. I think on the life science companies and companies like RN Sites and Snowfish are helping the pharma and medical device companies realize the importance of APPs. Great. And then um, finally, um, how would you and, and RN Sites, uh, you know, how do you see the future of the APP role and how should industry continue to adapt its approach? Seeing the autonomy of the NPs and PAs increased dramatically over the past decade um, and with uh, the recent events of the pandemic has caused even new accelerating independence um, in many ways in making those care and treatment decisions. Um, we see NPs and PAs uh, navigating how to conduct an unprecedented amount of telehealth visits. So um, that's kind mm -hmm. of a, a big change. Um, and then we've seen, we have not seen any slowing in the growth. So if trends continue, we see NPs and PAs could make up 45% of providers by 2030. 
Um, to adapt, I think industry should continue to conduct market research, um, shift those appropriate marketing budget dollars to APPs, and create a separate APP marketing communication strategies. If you reached the end, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. To reiterate, Snowfish is a life science consulting company specializing in KOL mapping, stakeholder analysis, market landscape, and clinical trial recruitment. With over 20 years of experience, we have worked with leading names in the industry. We know the life science industry and its various stakeholders. Send us an inquiry at snowfish.net. And special thanks to our insights for a fruitful discussion.